Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. This is Randy and Tessa Payne, who are uh, missionaries to East Africa. East Africa. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now and, and, uh, and what's going on in East Africa. Well, right now we've been back in the States for what? Three or four weeks. You've been back for four weeks. I got COVID on the way back, so I was mm. stuck for a while. But I've been here for three weeks. And for the last three weeks, I've been um, fishing mainly. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, so it's been a, it's been a relaxed three weeks, but no, um, we've been in Kenya for the last, um, uh, four years. Wow. And yeah, I'll tell you what I do. I teach, um, I teach Bible and I teach on all levels. So from um, diploma program right up to PhD studies and I, I usually do a block course format and I travel in a lot of places in East Africa so I'm in Kenya a fair bit but I also go to Tanzania I spend at least three weeks a year in Ethiopia and I'll be in Rwanda when we go back and I go out to West Africa too to teach in a PhD program out there in a country called Togo uh, I also write. Uh, I, that actually occupies a, occupies a fair bit of my time. I never thought I would go to Africa and write, but I've been doing that. <laughs> I write for something called the Discovery Series, which is aimed at um, pastors. It's on an eighth grade reading level. Um, and it's actually these, these books that are about the Bible or about various aspects of the ministry. Um, they end up getting translated into something like 15 different languages. So I, that, that takes up a lot of my time too. So Randy, you said you do a, a lot of uh, writing and, and teaching. Uh, mm -hmm. who, who are you teaching? I teach predominantly pastors. Almost everybody, um, almost everybody I engage with is either pastoring already or is uh, a leader in the church in some way. Many of you probably know the African church is growing very quickly, very quickly. Um, which is a great thing, but it's not always in the healthiest way either. Um, many pastors um, take on that responsibility and they have little to zero training. Um, so those are typically the kind of people that I teach. So is it out of the, the need being so great that uh, people are, uh, I don't know, just hearing, hearing uh, uh, guidance from from the Lord to, to take a leadership role or is the vacuum so vast that people maybe step into that role just feeling totally green and yeah, out of their league? It's a little bit of both, really. <laughs> um, yeah, um, there is a vacuum. Um, there, there's a need for leaders because people are planning. Um, churches are being planted so rapidly. But most people, um, they really want to be there. Nobody's telling them to be there. They are um, they're desperate for some kind of theological education, and they come, they come in droves, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a blessing. I, yeah, it's and a Tessa, blessing. so you have another, you have another role along with partnering together. And what is? Yeah, I am not a teacher. Um, so I did actually get to start teaching with Randy a little bit, um, and then COVID hit, so I didn't. But I work more in the area of, generally speaking, compassion ministries. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. So I am a nurse practitioner by profession, um, and many of you may or may not know what a nurse practitioner is, and sorry to any physicians, my joke is we do the same thing physicians do with cheaper malpractice insurance. Um, so when I went over, um, my aim was to do medical clinics and to do medicine, but actually to help churches establish 
um, ministries, medical ministries through their church as an outreach and to teach them and to train them how to do that. But once I got there, I realized Compassion Ministries is so much bigger. And I've actually had the opportunity um, to do clean water projects. We, I drill wells. I'm on the World Serve board to drill wells. I've gone um, into the slums and into like Burundi um, to do uh, filtration so people have access to water, but they're dying of waterborne illnesses. And so just to get them a filter, but I don't do it. We uh, partner with the church. They bring in um, lay people into the church who say, I want to serve my community. I train them on how to use the filter. And then they go out. Uh, and the last I've heard, uh, the Burundi church, which I spent three days with training, has now reached over a thousand people on their own um, in Burundi. I was thinking uh, you brought one of your, your little ones with you today. The other one's with grand, grandma. Most of us drill wells too. And um, <laughs> while balancing soccer and school. How did, what? You, your mom, wife, Compassion Ministries, and you're drilling wells. How does that work? It's a team effort. You know, they say it takes a community, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Um, and I think one thing I've recognized it, it, now being over there, that it seems like here in the US, we've become very individualized. Um, and we pass each other in the night or we communicate by text. And you really lose that personal interaction. But when you go over there, you're in a new culture. And you, have, you learn you have to depend on people um, to figure out where you're going, what you're doing, how does the culture handle this. Mm. Um, but at the same time, to accomplish God's work, you have to come together. And you have to work as a community. And you're not just one person. Then you are a community living out who Christ is. And it has a huge impact. So I would say, I can't do what I do without, number one, Randy being, you know, supportive. I mean, I went to Burundi, I went to Sudan, I went to Zambia. I've gone to all these places and he has to play single dad. Um, but fortunately, we have that same community around us, um, you know, and around him while I'm gone to do that. So I have to say, it's um, when God wants you to do something, he's going to make a way. Hmm. And you just have to see it and, and just take it and do it. So if you don't mind, I'd like to go back. We are, uh, we're in a series right now called Heart and Soul. We're talking about how the Lord, you know, of course, works in our heart to come to Christ. We open our heart to Christ. That's just the beginning, right? Not the ending. And how he has a plan for all of us. Not just for certain people or specially individuals, special individuals, but all of us. That, that our life looks like um, a person that's being changed from the inside out to prove the will of God. Whether it's a mom, a dad, uh, uh, here or in Africa or wherever. So... You guys start out somewhere in your journey with Jesus, I don't know, uh, maybe kids or teenagers, whatever, and you didn't know each other, I guess. Is that true? Didn't live in the same part of America. Is that right? Pretty much? I'll How, we were kids. Could, could you, could, I'd, like, I'd like to hear from both of you, and I, I know these guys would like to hear. When did, when do you, how did, how did you get to... How did you get to this from, uh, you're, you're from our town. How did you get from being, you know, Tessa back in the day, middle school, whatever, to here? How did, how did the Lord start to do that in you and then, and then you? Yeah, I'll try to tell the story somewhat quickly and make sure I get the highlights. So, um, you know, I look out here and I recognize actually a lot of faces. Um, so many of you knew I grew up at Central um, down the road. And um, so I was a church kid. He's got a completely opposite story. Um, but anyway, I also was a planner, um, type A, goal-oriented, and I always knew I wanted to go to medical school. Um, so, you know, in addition uh, to doing well in church and being in activities and sports and playing in the church orchestra, and, you know, um, I grew up in church, Missionettes Honor Star, youth, you know, um, introduced to missions under Pastor Todd Marple as our, our youth pastor, and that's when I knew it was going to be important to me. Mm. Um, and a lot of people didn't know it, but I actually got a fully paid pre-med scholarship to University of Pittsburgh. 
Um, but that was the summer of two thousand, the summer of nineteen ninety-seven. Now you're going to do the math and figure out how old I am. Um, that we were having, we actually had a missionary um, from South Africa visit Central. Um, now I had gone to orientation and realized this is not what God has for me. Like it was awful, worst thing in the world, and I was like, I can't do this. And I came home and I told my mom, and I said, I can't, I can't go do that. And she said, What? My daughter, the planner, who's been planning this since she was five, um, can't carry this out. And so it was a very rough summer. I cried every day, didn't know what God wanted me to do. I just knew it wasn't what I had in store because what God had said to me at that time was, is it my dream, is it your dream or is it my will? Because they're not the same, Tessa. And my world crashed, but... That summer we had a missionary and I was praying like, Lord, give me some direction because I I don't know what I'm going to do with my life now. Um, And the missionary had no idea who I was. Um, I mean, I was just another person sitting on the second, third row. And after church, she's walking up and, you know, bless this person, bless that person, you know, the generic prayer. And she touches my arm and says a prayer and keeps walking. And then she steps back and she puts her arm, her hand on my arm. And she said, child, God said, do not fear. He's going to tell you where to go and what to do because he has a plan for you. I was 17. Mm. And so right then I just knew, okay, like this, this is going to be okay. I ended up um, going to Allegheny College Nursing School. Um, I graduated there, got a job as a nurse. Um, fast forward, I became a nurse practitioner. Um, and then uh, important part of the story, I just continued, what does God want me to do? I got a doctorate in healthcare program development, had no idea what I was going to do with it. Um, but that will come into play later because I'm going to let him catch up to my story because then it, it moves forward. Catch up, right? My story is not that inspiring. There are, <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot more fits and starts. Um, I, I got saved when I was 15 years old, and long story short, I decided to go to Bible college because that's, um, that's what my youth pastor did, so it just made sense. Um, and I didn't have a lot of direction from my family, if you know what I mean. So I went to Bible college, and I, I hated it. And one night, I was laying on my bed, and I thought, um, I don't know what to do, but I cannot do this. And I, so I decided to enlist in the Army. And it was, it was like that, too. It was, <laughs> it was that night I decided, and the next morning, I went to the recruiting station. And I was in the Army for a few years, and I was not living for the Lord at all. And I, <clears throat> I got out of the Army. I came, I'm not, I'm from, um, I grew up in Frederick, Walkersville, if anybody knows that. Knows Walkersville. I got out of the army. My parents had moved up here to Cumberland. And um, when I got out of the army, the Lord was, he really got a hold of me. I realized that I couldn't um, continue to do the kinds of things that I was doing. It was not easy, though. I, I, I wish I had, like, the miraculous story about how God um, delivered me and transformed my life overnight, but it really wasn't like that at all. Um, it was difficult. And um, I, after I got out, I met Tessa. Um, actually, our, our parents set us up on a blind date. <laughs> and <laughs> to be what honest... What happens when your parents go to church together? Yeah, I was mm. struggling at the time, to be honest, but I knew how to talk the, I knew how to talk, the talk. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I was working a job and, and struggling along and Tessa said, hey, you're making me miserable. Like if this, if this relationship is going to go anywhere, you've got to, to do something. So I decided to go back to school and little did I know that I'd be in school for the rest of my natural life. <laughs> <laughs> I went back to, I started going out to AC um, and then I transferred into... Towson and got a degree in religious studies, not an employable skill. <laughs> um, and then I went on to seminary. And I, it was really, I, I became interested in the Old Testament. I won't go into the whole story, but it was really in secular university that I became interested in the Old Testament. And um, I went on to seminary. Long story short, we did some short-term submissions. Yeah, you yeah, want to pick up Yeah, so from that? I want to, just real quick, while we were dating, I mean, we were sort of both at the point where we were like, okay, we're not going to waste time. Like, really, are you worth it? Are you worth, like, do we have common interests? Um, and we both, in conversation, had said, you know, we had been introduced to missions in, in youth, and so we knew that this was going to be an important part of our lives. 
Hmm. We were not committing to move overseas full time. We just said we would do the one week, two week periodic trips. So that is how missions. And then after we got married um, was when he, uh, we moved to Baltimore and he was getting his bachelor's degree. And we did that. We did those short term trips. And it was on one of those trips. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so I'm in seminary. What was it? 2008. Mm -hmm. And I'd been spending some time down there. Um, I'd go down like two weeks a year or sometimes a little longer. Um, and I was teaching in a, a really small Bible school. There were like 70 students or something like that. But I, I don't know if I've told any of you this story, but there was, I was struck, I was on a very academic course. I had a, um, a I was trying to get into the best university PhD program that I could possibly get into. This was my goal. Um, and I was teaching in Nicaragua, and I was kind of floored by the, the sacrifices that people were willing to make to get a little bit of theological training. Um, and in fact, I know one particular lady, her name was Christine. She used to, she would, she lived in a village that was a long way away in the mountains, and she would walk a long way to get to a bus stop, then she would hop a bus to get up to the Bible school. And she would come up and do this. It was, I, I don't remember how far, but it was quite a distance. And she would do this um, several days a week while Bible school was in session. And as I'm thinking about this career trajectory that I'm going on, thinking about teaching in a university, and then looking at, at, at these folks who were desperate for just a little bit of training, and I thought, man, I, I think I'm going the wrong way here. And I came back, I remember telling Tessa, I don't know if I'm going to be happy doing anything else. I think I want to do something like this. Um, full-time, like teaching in a Bible school. And I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought it would be like a, like a hard sell or something, but it really, it really wasn't much of a sell. It was, at that point, it was just, um, I felt like they deserved the best, and I was like, I'm going to finish my PhD, and then I'm going to do this. So it actually took us quite a while, yeah. probably eight years <laughs> from that point we actually got on the field. So but it was in 2008 that we said we're going to do this. Um, and, you know, you really have to think ahead because we had a lot of school loan debt with two doctorate degrees. And, you know, um, and also he wanted, you know, to finish. And at the same time, I was doing my doctorate degree in Latin America, learning cross-cultural context. So our hearts were really to go to Central America. Like, we're going to Latin America. Um, we moved to Texas for that degree. And our pastor said, give me your, um, your, your resumes, your CVs. I'm going to take it to Springfield with me, the AG headquarters, and I'm going to give it to the Latin American we're people. We're in Texas at this we point. We were in Texas at that point. And little did we know, he decided to give it to the Africa people instead. And I said, I am not going to Africa. Um, and the uh, gentleman from up there came by and he said, I'm coming through town. Let me take you out to lunch. And Randy said, we're not going to Africa. I'm not going to lunch. I said, honey, you're going to seminary. You're on a seminary budget. And it's a free lunch. Just go. <laughs> um, so he went ahead and went, and we ignored it. About a year later, the guy came back through and mm. sat with us again um, and in a little booth. And still, we said, okay, we'll go to dinner. It's a free dinner at a really nice restaurant in Fort Worth. Um, and I could see Randy um, slowly, like, listening. You know, God was checking all those boxes that you don't tell people about, but you're like, God, I had a lot of boxes. God, if it's really you, you'll say this or he'll say that. Um, and God was checking his boxes and I was across the table. I was not going. Um, and then the gentleman has no idea what I do. He was really recruiting him to teach. And he looks at me and he's like, well, Tessa, now again, he knows nothing other than I'm a nurse, not a nurse practitioner. Not. He said, Tessa, I know you're a nurse. He said, but what I really want you to do is healthcare program development on the continent. And right then, God said to me, Tessa, 20 years ago, you had to give up that scholarship and change your path. And I know you didn't know why. He said, but this is why. This is what I've been preparing you for the last 20 years to do. Um, and he said, I saw it. He said, right then, you just were, that was it. Um, so it was a silent ride home in the car. <laughs> and... There you go. That's amazing. Back, back, back. Back up a little bit. Um, there was a, you, you, Tessie, you said something about when you guys were in, in, in your relationship and you guys are somehow, somewhere in a, in a journey with Jesus. Different, but both of you, Randy talks about 
it's, it wasn't a, a, a Christian easier Damascus Road experience, but it was a, an unfolding. Yours, you have these God moments where this person that doesn't know you, and you have more than one, by the way, of somebody that just, in a God moment, there's a confirmation, something's gone on on the inside of you, and there's a bunch of other kids in a line for prayer and other, other things going on. But something's happened individually in your life, something different but same, and you're on, you're on your own highway, and you're on your own highway. And then you guys, mer the Lord merges you together and you're, you're dating or whatever. And you, and you kind of say, uh, you know, th this might be a deal breaker because we're not on the same page. And then, which is probably a whole other story with that. Um, but then, okay, so, but then you are. It, it, are you, you're not married yet, right? When you're, having the, when you're sitting in the booth with the guy or, or are you already married? Yeah, we're already married. Okay, so let's, yeah. let's go back to... Because there's all kind of confirmations in life. And one of the biggest ones you better get is not only are you going to be on a missions team together, but you're going to have kids together. And you're going to do life together. And till death do you part together. And you're going to take the till death do you part show to East Africa and, and be a mom and drill wells and, and teach. You better kind of... how do you, did you, have a, did you have a Damascus Road with that one, brother? Or did you, with the marriage thing? How did that come to play? Still no Damascus Road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could say that. No, it was more of a... I thought I was pretty awesome. You should have been. That's the one. <laughs> Sorry. So, again, there's a lot... There. So, so, I mean, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot at stake here. Um, God has a plan for both of you. Before you're born, we all know there's Bible verses, but this thing's playing out. It's unfolding. A little bit of it, you know. A lot of, of it, you don't. I love your honesty. You even have deal breakers with God in a sense. You know, we've all, you know, we might not want to confess that outward, but we all have sort of like, I really hope. I mean, who hasn't been in a, in a missions uh, uh, at college where you're hoping God doesn't call you to Africa, right? I mean, we've pretty, you know, it's like... You know what I mean? That's usually the one. Those, those I surrender all songs, and you, and you're, you're sort of like I'm surrendering 75 percent. The, the Africa part scares me. You, you know, it just being honestly, you know, honest. I mean, how many people are sitting out here today? You woke up this morning going, please confirm I'm supposed to give everything up and go live in a house that's in the middle of a field somewhere where no, you know. So God's working all this in your life. But the big part, too, is that you're, there, there's going to be a partnership. The, the, this highway you're on, uh, you're going to merge together. You're not just going to be on a mission team together, uh, single, but you're going to be married. Can you take us there? Because there's probably at least one young college person here that hopes to get married someday. And they want to marry the right person. And they don't want their life to be, you know, 15 years down the road going, why did I do this? You know, can you take us to there? Yeah, I could take you. I would like, yeah, again, like, I'm really impulsive. Um, <laughs> and for me, at the time, um, I just knew that Tessa was a steal. And I was like, this is good for me. Like, <laughs> I would be making a major mistake if I didn't... Um, Put a ring on this girl's finger and i would like to say that it was more than that but it really wasn't much more than that <laughs> this, has he ever told I was you this i before? was marrying up has he told you this and i before? had the no, wherewithal I... to, to realize that's what was happening this is about to turn into marriage counseling isn't it <laughs> oh well you've come to the right place anyway sorry <laughs> go ahead sorry you should really be asking why did tessa condescend <laughs> to marry me you know, honestly, um, I think first we were both in what I would say was a little bit of a mature ma position. Oh, let me take that back slightly. Um, I can tell you at the age of 18, 19, like I was not at a place like to say, um, you know, like this is, uh, this is the person I want to be with, you know, for forever. Um, and I did date with some people, and honestly, there was a um, Bible study that I went to when I was 15 at the Wharton house, and um, Tanya Wharton did the Bible study, and she, um, I'm going to cry, <laughs> I miss her, um, but she said, kids these days throw I love you around a lot, and she sorry, said, I'm sorry, I this that is again. what Tanya Wharton said, she said, 
you can say I love you a lot. Kids throw I love you around. She said, but you'll know you love someone when you can look at them and you can say, I want to wake up to them every day for the rest of my life. And I was 15, you know, and teenagers, oh, I love you. Um, but, I, and, but I wasn't boy crazy, but I took that seriously. And so even the people that I dated through high school, I mean, good boys, they were. Um, but I never, ever said I love you, and even in college, never. Um, and then there was just a time where I was, you know, dating Randy, and it was important, too, that we um, went to church together before we got married. So we had a church community. Um, and when you're in a good church community, they're going to keep you accountable, you know, also um, in your relationship, how you treat each other, because they can see from the outside what's going on here. Um, and I think we had a good church community in, uh, in Baltimore, and there was a time where I just said, you know what? I love you. Like I, I, I just, I just knew. So, and we had a lot of real conversations, um, adult conversations. I would say, like, what's important? Who's going to handle the money? How many kids do you want? Like, again, missions is important to Tessa me. Handle, handles the money. I do. <laughs> um, so, I think they sound like such adult topics, but they are things I think that need to be discussed because oftentimes there's the root of arguments. And we always said we have to communicate. And I've learned that I am someone who wants to talk things out. He just needs to be angry for a little bit and get over it. But that's one thing that we've learned to understand, you know, even little tiffs, I just, okay, let's get over. And so, and then we can talk it out. Um, but you have to have the big talks and you have to learn to know each other and you have to surround yourself with a good, godly community who is going to hold you accountable in that relationship with Christ and in that relationship with one another, I think. So, okay, so you guys merge, God puts you guys on the same highway and on the highway as you're traveling with your community, you have these moments where you know two are better than one and you're together in that. And then you just said some really cool stuff and great stuff, wise stuff, because... Uh, and it, and it, did, did you think that missionaries actually had to deal with real marriage stuff too? Well, imagine, imagine, okay, imagine in the midst of being in East Africa and you have a couple kids now and you got swarms of hungry people coming to want to teach me the word of God, PhD man. Uh, and you, and you got all this going on and the need is vast and I'm sure there's, less help than you'd like to have always and then in the midst of that you got you two parenting having having Randy and Tessa time and you know I guess the mission umbrella covering doesn't necessarily guarantee that all that stuff Jesus just takes care of all that you know it's um what is the statistic um I mean there are many missionaries that come off the field either because of relationships with other missionaries or because of issues in the family and mm -hmm. it's marriage. Those are the big reasons. Those it has are nothing to do reasons. with culture shock or anything like that. Nope. Nope. It's conflict in the marriage or conflict between other missionaries with um, other missionaries. Which is, it, it's sad, but that's the truth. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting because we um, about three years and I mean and it's not always easy at the same time I mean I was used to working 24-hour shifts and he's an introvert so we'd always have you know a break where I could watch my Netflix shows and he can go fishing Netflix and, in Africa? And, well this was at home and now we're over there and now we're together 24 7 so well, I mean that's mm -hmm. another thing you're like Oof, we had um, never spent so much time together that <laughs> And it's, it's one of the things, again, you start learning that um, uh, communication is huge, and you learn to pray a lot more. You learn maybe a greater deal what patience is. Um, you have to talk. You have to talk a lot. And I don't know, but I mean, you have and to communicate And we've both talked to each other off a ledge, like... yes several times. <laughs> yes. But one of the things, we had a missionary who's been on the field for 20 years um, come 
talked to us after three years was just talking in conversation and you know how you guys doing we're like we're good and he goes yeah it's real good he goes because first off you're still here and second off you're still married um, and that was only three years in so right. it's definitely a stressor and when you're having a stressor in a cross-cultural context I mean you you really don't have a place um, to go and you even more rely on each other um, and you just yeah you have to talk a lot but you also have to be able to listen a lot listen and listen don't put what you want on that person really listen like what are we getting to what's the heart of the issue here and let's see if we can work through that so so guys um we're, we gave you opportunity to ask questions and, and, and we're, we'll, we're, let's take a minute here and open up just in this moment for that. But what I was hoping happened today is happening, I'm thankful for. Um, you know, we have a bulletin board out there in the hallway, if you're lucky, looking up when not watching your kids make sure they don't fall down the steps. You can see that there's missionaries on a board with a picture you know, and what, and you know, and, uh, when when I, I told Randy before church when I when I was a little kid in a church, um, I was coming in and not necessarily interested in well, not necessarily not at all interested in the global mission cause of Jesus Christ. Uh, and then if it would be a Sunday morning and I'd be oh we're having a missionary, I'd, I'm sorry, but I was sort of like oh geez, why don't they do it on Sunday night? You know, when I'm not going to be so um, and. and what I wanted you to, to instead of just kind of like doing the picture and here's here's the people and here's the here's the people we reach and here's here's a guy named this and he went he rode his camel to there, I wanted you to these real people here, these real people, just like you, just like me. That somewhere back in the day, God began to talk to you and guide your life with all your stuff to being where you are right now. And it wasn't because, you know, you were some special elite level spiritual kingdom girl guy. You're just Randy and Tessa on this trying to figure it out journey that Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible who, who guided individuals from the fishing nets to to the 10 city tour, to Jerusalem, to this devastating, and then to be 40 days later, dynamic beginning of a life that would take them to Rome and on and on and on. We all have that going on in our life. So I wanted, them, I wanted you guys to see that we can't, we can't just check out of this and thinking, well, they're missionaries. They're certain. I'm, I'm me, and I, I work. I, I change, you know. Uh, I, 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 I do break work at this shop and all that. He's, he's just liable to have a God moment with you and me and say. Or I, 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 I can't remember the word you used when, when it all came crashing down with your plan and your. Well, you said it something like it all came crashing down. What a gift from God! It's sometimes when it all comes crashing down. Because if it doesn't come crashing down, this amazing thing that you don't even know is happening, you wouldn't even know it was happening or beginning to happen, right? Question. We have a good, good Dustin. I and to why you're finding that question, it doesn't get easier. Just because you say yes, I'll go. It it doesn't get easier. Like it is hard over there. And even when we spent our first year building a partnership, you know, there were times where we said, you know what. I've got a good job, and so does he. And it's easy to stay in our two-story red brick house with a white car garage and just give to missions. Like, mm. um, and you know, we can't go unless you know people give. But at the same time, we knew God had called us to go. But there's still that temptation that says it's just easier um, to it's stay. So easier. even if you say yes to whatever God has asked of you, it doesn't mean you're not going to still want to like back up. You don't just say yes and 
let's go. Um, it's something you do have to work at and continue yeah. to pray for and remind yourself and, and tell this story like I've told you to remind me, yes, like this is your story and this is what I've called you to do. Powerful. So, um, if Randy or Tessa's in here and they're younger and they're teenagers or something, what would you say to them? I would come back to the wisdom thing. Um, you, you, you said it briefly. And I made jokes because I, I do tend to be impulsive, but um, life is about decisions, right? <laughs> it's about making decisions. That's what you do every single second. Wake up and you decide, am I going to brush my teeth or am I not? Am I going to comb my hair? Am I going to put my pants on first? Right? These are all decisions. And some decisions, some decisions are a lot bigger than that. Mm. And um, we need... Um, we need people around us to help us to make decisions. I think that's what I would tell my younger self. Like, um, you don't know as much as you think you do. Um, um, surround yourself with people who um, know how to make good decisions and can help you make good decisions. It would have helped me. I mean, a lot of I've made a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> um, and if I had, if I had submitted myself and been part of a community. I could have avoided some mistakes, I think. Mm. Good. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think that's very well said. And I say that too because when I had to make my decision, um, you know, I was in a youth group and a great youth group, and, um, you know, we had great um, older people in our church. And, but at the same time, when I had to decide what the next step was, I didn't just decide to go to nursing school. Um, I actually reached out to some ladies um, in the church, older ladies that I spoke with and said, help give me some direction because I don't know what I, I want to do. So I, yes, I think you, I agree. It's, it's having wisdom. It's making wise decisions, but it's also seeking counsel in that. Like you don't have to make some of these decisions alone. Hmm. And even if you don't want that person to give you an answer, find an older person that, you know, you respect who's godly just to pray with you over some of um, these decisions you feel like you have you have to make um, or the need to be made. And the clarity will come, um, and it's hard to say because, you know, I being a teenager is not easy, and it's not easier even for you today. I do not envy you one bit. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's... Let me say one other thing, too, because I'm just thinking, and it, this might be dangerous. I'm not sure where I'm going to go with it. <laughs> People like to hear that Damascus Road story, and it's not a bad story. God does that. And, um, but I, I, here's what I want to say, I think. Um, for me, teaching was um, not so much God called me and said, hey, you're going to Kenya, or hey, you're going to Africa, or whatever. It was a, real, it was a sense of vocation. And I felt like um, this is what God has made me to do. He's made me to teach the Bible. And I could discharge this vocation in any number of ways. But what I had to do is decide. Um, I, mm. <laughs> I had to make a decision mm. um, to go to Africa because somebody cast a vision and I bought into the vision, right? But I never had, there was no burst of light or anything like that where God said, hey, you're going to Kenya. It wasn't like that at all. Mm. It was like, you have a skill set and you can, you can use this skill set here. And I'm telling, you know, the guy telling me this, right? I've been to Africa. I know what your skill set is and I know what the need is. Please make a decision to come to Kenya. Well, and that, I, and that's I think, what I did. And I, I think that's important. Because I think that's really important to, to drill into because um, we can create the imagery. And it's true. There are Damascus roads. There are these moments. And you talked about it. And we, we, I'm sure many of you here could say, there was this moment where this happened or God spoke to me through somebody. And you go, wow. And you mark those down in your journal. But then I love what you're saying because sometimes we get so hung up on uh, waiting to hear that thing or see the writing on the wall or whatever it is. And, but, but you guys... Are, are doing this and you come from two different roads of experience in that make a decision and and I think sometimes can we maybe stay there on that a minute why I, I, I've, I've gotten hung up at times in my life and I know others have too where it's like why well, we do it but I just don't know if it's what God wants me to do I actually try to talk about this with my students because it comes up a lot right there's this idea I'm riffing now so 
forgive me. <laughs> There's this idea that sort of like the will of God is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? And if I, if I, you know, I have this, this host of decisions that are in front of me, and if I, God doesn't give me the right direction, I'm going to make a bad decision, and I end up going from A to F or something like that. The wrong, the wrong way, right? Mm-hmm. Scripture doesn't, that's not the way it teaches. We have a whole book of Proverbs, right? And the whole thing is designed to help you make decisions and decisions at the pace of life, right? Hmm. You have, at, at any given pool, time, we like have a myriad of decisions to make. And God gives us permission, I think, to say, okay, Lord, I need to make a choice here. Please help me to do the right thing. And he, and he does. Hmm. And, it, it, you know, it, it, you might go this way or they might go this way, but they're, they're both good choices. They're bad choices too, right? But have it's you, not one choice is the right choice. Ha, have you found out that God's bigger than you? Yeah. I mean, he knows what he's doing. A lot bigger Shocker. than me. A lot. And one of the things I think too, these moments, you know, that I had... I didn't even necessarily recognize them as being that big at the time. You know, they relieved me for a moment, but it wasn't until 20 years down the road that God actually revealed his plan, right? Mm. So along the way, I'm still living my life making everyday decisions. I wasn't living my life like, oh, this is what it's going to be. This is where I'm going to be. I had given up the planning thing, Um, but it was just following what I thought every step, um, you know, that he wanted. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I would tell people too, I mean, you're doing what you think God has asked you to do. And you're like, why am I not seeing the fruit? Or I don't understand. But it might take 20 years for God to reveal his plan to you. So if you're just obedient um, in in these decisions, it'll be revealed in time. That was a great first question. We have another one. Yeah. Um, Are there specific I don't know. I'll answer first. And, you know, having grown up in church, um, I don't know that there was one particular person. Um, I think I was influenced, you know, by a lot. I mean, Sunday school teachers, kudos to you, you know, because I wound up giving my um, life to Christ in the, um, uh, what is the multi-purpose room at Central under Jim and Missy Bowling, who were not, um, they were volunteers. I mean, they were not paid staff, but they followed um, yeah. the request when God said, will you, will you give your time to teach these children on Sunday morning? Um, and then I, you know, look at parents of my friends who are also my Sunday school teachers and just being in that place, like those people, uh, missionettes, I mean, going every Wednesday and having these older women just invest time in me and speak wisdom over me. And um, can I say I had one person? I, I can't say that I did. I think there were influential people maybe at certain moments, like the woman or like the pastor, um, you know, down there uh, when these big moments happened. But I think it was all along um, people just speaking and feeding into my life, I would say. Yeah, I would say the same. Not one particular person, but it's always been people who are in my life anyway, who I trusted. Actually, somebody here in the district and also somebody in Texas who I always went to and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Am I doing the right thing? That, that, that leads me to a question. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before out in the lobby, Randy. Um, so you're going to be back here for a little while. Um, the way that works is you come off the field and then you reconnect with the, the supporting churches and you know try to build a, even a bigger base. The Lord helps you to do that, can help you do that. Uh, and you know, and then there's a, a season, I think a year or so, you're off. The, you're here, and then you'll be going back. Uh, Lord, Lord willing, Lord. Um, you said something about you know when you're when you're going through the battles and all that and you 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 said looking back like maybe here or whatever it it, it could be a lot easier um and i and i'm thinking to myself that's true in a way um but being an american christian um we talked a little bit about this and i'm preaching on this kind of stuff there there are trends that are happening there's you know influences that are coming uh, unrestrained toward toward ministers and leaders and churches and young kids uh, with the deconstruction of the faith and big name people that are saying I'm out I'm just totally out 
or I'm out in another way, uh, and which is becoming in. And, and there's all these balls, you know, we're trying to juggle. And how do we do this? And how do we discern this? Um, there's, a diff, there's an easy, you can define easy in certain terms, but then also the big burden I have is for me and for another generation coming up. We don't do... There was a day when I was in the AG church or in the evangelical church when there, you said Sunday school teachers. Where is Sunday school today? Uh, missionettes, what's that? Uh, back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, there was a culture that it wasn't just Sunday morning, it was Sunday night, think of it. Uh, Wednesday night, I'm in church every time the doors open, didn't mean once a week on Sunday, it meant Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, uh, home group, uh, blah, blah. Those days, that ship is, I don't know where that ship is. Uh, I don't think it's returning. So the opportunities to make a difference in the life of a Tessa who is 13, 15 years old, the opportunity now, uh, and this isn't reflecting on you, it's not reflecting on me, it's just the new culture. It's not the same. And I know in God's providence, he still speaks to people and he still has his hand before Tessa knows it, before Randy knows it, before T. McGee knows it, before anybody. But he's got a plan for you and your kid and all that. But I think, I'm glad you're God because we're not giving you as many shots. There aren't the Sunday night, you don't hear somebody coming up anymore saying, well, it was in a Sunday night service when somebody was preaching from India. You know what I'm saying? Well, I had a Sunday school teacher, Miss Clara, and she was all about praying for missionaries. And I don't know why, but when that happened, it always got to me and it brought a tear. And I don't know why I had a tear. Those stories, those stories are no longer here. So my question is to you guys, uh, being in another context and seeing people coming out of the woodwork, teach me and please take longer than 30 minutes or 50 minutes. I'm here all day. I'm here all week. I want. Uh, how do? How do? How do? How do? How do we stay missional when the predominant message? for the Gen Zer is how Jesus wants to help you get over your, you know, you're ready, to, you're ready to deny your faith because you didn't get picked for the basketball team compared to these guys who are in a part of the world that may be saying yes to preaching the gospel might mean more than they don't get picked for the basketball team. I just got on my soapbox. How do you talk to us about whatever I just tried to say? I don't know. Help me out. My mind's going in 20 different directions. Um, let, me, let me say one thing first. I'll say we are in a, a, a cross-cultural context, if you will, but we do live in Nairobi. And it's at the internet age, mm. so you'd be surprised, actually, in Nairobi. Um, most of your millennials, Gen Z folks, aren't, they're exposed to the very same things that we're exposed to in the West, and they're thinking about the same kinds of things. It's all on the internet. So they right? have Netflix, too, you said. Right? Well, they it, live on YouTube. Okay. I mean, so it, 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 it's happening there, so too. So there's a global spirit that's everywhere. There is. In the city, in the big city. Until you get right outside of Nairobi, and then you go back 100 years. Um, so there is both. I mean, we, we're living in, in both worlds, if you will. And actually, even in Nairobi, you know, there's certain sort of traditional pressures that are very different from traditional pressures that we would face here. But then there's also this the sort of the Western church model that's also pressures, pressure on the, on the Kenya Assemblies of God, and it's a pretty unsavory cocktail sometimes. So, for the, for the uh, that's one thought. inside baseball phrase that I get, the Western church model, for somebody that don't kind of, what, what, do you, what do you mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. 
What do you mean? I don't want to. I, I don't want to hijack the whole conversation. No, no, no. But I mean, I could tell you what it, it often means in Nairobi. So I was talking with my my mom about this actually last night. On the one hand, there is this sort of traditional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a little, I'll tell you, I'll try to encapsulate some of the theology in Kenya right now. If I can do this, sure. I don't want to talk too much. Or, no, no, um, go. There's this, um, I talk to a lot of, a lot of my students, this, this very same issue comes up. Here's what it is. Um, the, the supernatural realm, if you will, is right under the surface of every person in Kenya or every person in Ethiopia. They think about it a lot more than Westerners do. Wow. And there's this, um, uh, there's an old model, and it's, it's, this is true of most traditional African religions, right? They have no problem with the idea that there's one God, but then all the normal people are down here. Um, and you have to find a way to access this God. You can't just go to him on your own, right? You have to, you have, you need an intermediary, right? Somebody that can access and manipulate the supernatural realm on your behalf. Does this make sense? Um, and very often, um, this is the role of the pastor, or this is what the common folks want of the pastor. He's my ticket to access the supernatural realm. So pastors wield a lot of power, and they come to them with all of their needs. Um, and, but it's things that we would never experience here. Um, um, I've had a dream, Pastor. I need you to interpret this for me. Um, uh, yeah, I have this thing that's not going well in my life, and it's some kind of um, demonic force, and I need you to vanquish it on my behalf, right? And if the pastor can't perform in this way, um, then these folks, they'll go somewhere else where somebody can. So you take this sort of idea, and then you take the Western church model, which is very influential. And what I mean, what I mean by that is our, our metric for success is the number of butts and buildings or nickels and noses, right? Mm. How many people do I... It has nothing to do with discipleship or the transformation of people's lives. It's how many people do I have sitting here on Sunday morning? Never mind whether or not they're mm. part of a community and learning what it means to serve Jesus and mm. learning it from one another, right? So there's that, that's, that's what I mean. The, the pressure comes on them in that way, right? Yeah. I, if I can't, if I don't have a lot of people here on Sunday morning, then that must mean that God is not working for me. He's not on my side. I'm not a man of God, right? Um, and so there's a lot of pressure to um, interpret dreams and yeah, do you... some really bizarre things to try to capture an audience. Um, and it works itself out in all kinds of very strange ways. So, That's, I just talked a lot, but... No, no, it was good. So it's like, when I say lose your soul, I'm not meaning like lose your eternal state with God. I mean, lose your soul, like lose your way, lose your identity. Uh, the main thing no longer becomes the main thing and you're, and you're, you're juggling and hey, come back. We're going to, we're going to have we're, tonight. We're going to interpret dreams for everybody and all, you know, all, uh, or today or whatever. Um, so the pressure is, is, is it's different kind today, but it's, it's intensifying. I feel like it, you know, uh, so yeah. So Romans 12, 1 and 2. No longer be conformed to this world, but be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the inner to the outer. Um, but then there's also a conformity pressure from the, what you just said, within our world of church, whether it's in Africa or America, or different parts of America might be a little different, but but now with global and YouTube and everybody watches the same people, I, I, you know, you can name them all. We all know that we all know these. So here we all are. And a new generation, we have, more, we have some young, younger, a younger congregation. A lot of these kids that went downstairs, they're going to get a gospel. But the gospel of self and happiness or 
a gospel that comforts us in need but gets down into the guts of our stuff. So we all make full proof, not make full, but make full proof of our life. We're, what's the question I want to ask? I know you feel that, you just described it. That's where we are. I'll just talk more. Do it. <laughs> Sometimes too, I think because certain things are, are going on in our culture that we think it's inevitable, right? You have the, the whole COVID world and now we're meeting, all, we're all meeting online. It's very hard to get people to come back into church. Um, but I, I don't think it's inevitable. I, I, <laughs> I, we, shouldn't, um, we shouldn't yield to that pressure. I really think that we are supposed to, call the church, right? I'm talking about all of us, not just me and you and not just us. You can't be a Christian by yourself. It's impossible. The New Testament says, no, this is not, this doesn't work this way. <laughs> um, we are supposed as a community to colonize earth with heaven, right? And you create a counterculture, right? We're not sucking off the tailpipe of culture that's out there. We're creating mm. our own culture. And one of the ways that I think that you can be the most countercultural right now in this time is to actually meet together. Right? Not online, but in the flesh, right? Jesus didn't come and talk in, from a cloud, right? But this, our community is an incarnate community. And it doesn't work very well if we don't meet together. So sometimes I think what you have to sort of push off the pressure that says you have to, you have to do things a certain way. And you say, you know what? This is going to be difficult. I might not get the numbers that I want, but we're going to meet together anyway. And someone's going to teach about the scriptures, and someone's going to read the teachers out loud, the scriptures out loud, and someone's going to exhort, and we're going to learn together what it means to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. That's a really hard call, and you need a community to do that. Hmm. I, that's really. I don't good. know if that's true. No, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really good, and uh, um, and yeah, and I believe the same thing. Um, that that the, the greatest generation who's ever lived is being born right now. Uh, that God is going. That God in every generation, he 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 does his his thing, and um, and I, I I know I I have great hope in that for what's happening in 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 your life and in, in in Africa. And here in Western Maryland and in America, I'm believing uh, in the West. I'm believing that regardless of what happens in, 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 in Egypt, in Goshen, the light will be shining and God will be working and sending and speaking, calling. Uh, how, let, let's, cl let's close it up this way. Um, I want to give you guys the floor to the next couple minutes and just just talk to us about how we can be a support to you and anything else that God would want you to wrap this thing up with. And if we can have our band come on back up while they're doing that. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll talk. I talked about, um, I talked about community, and I, I'm saying this because I have to remind myself sometimes, but, you know, I, I don't go here every Sunday. I don't even know most of you. But... This is my community, right? We're, we're the people of God. Um, and <laughs> there are, I, I, need your, I need your prayers and I need people behind me. Um, and you know, the financial support, that's all a part of that. And you guys have been very faithful and I really appreciate that. But well, I, what I mean is we covet your prayers. We, we just will fail if we don't have them. We, we need that. This... Uh, this community is one of our, 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 sh our shelters in the, the larger body of Christ that's standing behind us. And I, I hope that you can come to feel that way about us too. Hey, these are our people and they are doing kingdom work um, on behalf of, of, of this, this community here in, here in Cumberland, here in, here in this area. So... That didn't come out quite the way I that wanted it to, but oh come on, man! That was I great. see you as 
Yeah. You're my community, and we can't do this without you. It's yeah. just, it, we cannot. Tessa, what about you? And I think coming off of that in, with the same idea and the same perspective of being a community together, um, we are reaching East Africa for you. Not everybody can go. Some of you God will call to go. And some of you say, I can't go. But you know what? You can, you can send. Like, it's not us. I, we've said over and over, you know, when you um, encourage and you support and you pray for missionaries, you're not giving it to us. You guys are giving through us. The community of Lighthouse of Hope is reaching East Africa through us. It is you. Every victory we see, every pasture we train, every water filter we hand out is you handing it out. We just are the blessing. We are the vessel that you get to work through. And as part of the community, it's, it's you. And we thank you for that. That's so awesome. Uh, would you guys, uh, we'll do a closing prayer and then I'll turn it over to these guys and uh, we don't, we won't like formally dismiss from there, but uh, I know you might want to meet some people out there or whatever. Uh, there's probably a million more questions. Of course there are. Would you pray, would you guys pray out loud, using the microphones, for people out there that might be where you were as, as, a, as a young, younger person trying to navigate this thing out, and then also pray for us in that community connection together with you, uh, how, how God can use us to, to stay on mission as well. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you very much for what you're doing here. And our background text has been from Romans 12. Father, I'm thinking of another section of Romans, Romans 8.29, where you, the Apostle Paul, talks about the fact that those are, who are predestined are being conformed into the image of your Son. And I pray, Father, that you would give everybody sitting here a great, um, I pray that you would move them, move in them, and give them a, an understanding of the fact that you are, you, fa you in fact have them, and you are in the process of conforming them into the image of your son. And I pray that you would um, help each person and this, this body, this community to, to realize that and to yield to it. And I pray that you would um, give this group a deeper sense of your community and the fact that you want to use this community to transform the community that they're in right now this community and, and this world. And I, I, I pray that you would give them a, a great awareness of that. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Lord, I thank you for each and every one who is here this morning. They're not here by chance, but they're here, Lord, because you wanted them to hear. They're here because they want to be a part of this. Lord, we are here because collectively we know you are king of the whole world. And we honor you and we worship you for that. Father, I just ask that if you're stirring in the heart of someone here to speak to someone else, Lord, Jesus. give them the boldness to speak wisdom in the life of someone who may need to hear it. And Lord, I ask if someone here is asking something of you, who they're asking for wisdom and a decision, Lord, I ask that they be open to hear it from the person that speaks. To them. Mm. Lord, I ask that you would grant boldness on both sides of the conversation. Lord, because you use our community to speak to us. Let us not hold back when you're urging us, Lord, and let us not push off when you are speaking to us. But let each and every one be a vessel that's open for you to work through. Lord, let them come to continue to love one another, to depend on one another. Lord, just to wipe away, Lord, any judgments or any fears, but to learn to be vulnerable with one another so we may become stronger in a greater light. 
for who you are. Lord, and they will, as a community, we will shine here and show what it looks like when you are in charge. Thank you that you call us. Lord, and may each of us grow into a deeper relationship with you. Every decision that we make, may we And would you stretch your heart this way toward this wonderful couple and pray with me. Lord, we thank you uh, for creating a deeper bond this morning in the spirit that uh, this is our brother and our sister. Uh, we ask that they would live in your embrace, that we ask that there would be a, a, a fresh, uh, a fresh stirring in their heart of encouragement, of of awareness and confirmation of identity, of how great your love for them for them is, and will continue to be. That during this time in the states, they would be blessed beyond their wildest imaginations, encouraged, strengthened reaffirmed that their needs would be beyond met, that they would have community everywhere they go. And every church family they, they, they gather with during this time, enrich them in community, strengthen them, let them be encouraged by spiritual giftedness and release from brothers and sisters and churches like they've never known before. We ask that. You're keeping we ask that you would continue to show them and guide them and open doors that no one can shut and shut doors no one can open. That we would just make full proof of our life, leaning upon your faithfulness as always. Bless, we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.